Welcome to Guild Wars, podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. My name is Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host Tony, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise, and still manage to know very little. <laughs> so without any further ado... Here he is, our local Melandru worshipping dirty boy <laughs> and Tyria's sweetheart, my friend Tony Melchor. Tony, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm feeling great, man. I'm all pumped up. Our, our, our pre-show exercises are working. Oh, man, that was great. Listening to some ridiculous music. The best. So, Tony Melchor, this is part two. Of our human history lore. A-Nets babies. A-Nets babies. I think A-Nets babies are actually the Silvari. Think so? I think so. There's a lot of love built in, or, uh, built in and around that. But uh, they started with the humans. Let's be real. Oh, yes. So, let's do a recap of part one. What do you remember um. from the history of humans in Cantha and Elona. Uh, Cantha, I remember them expanding to Elona through trade, through um, ships, then uh, going back, bringing them back and secluding themselves from the world um, after the pirates. Elona uh, was... Oh, that one's a little bit shifty. All I remember is Triosa. Uh, leading the pilgrimage and the three factions um, sort of, I think, freeing themselves or unifying. All we need to know about Alona is Terai Awesome. <laughs> Terai Awesome. Terai Awesome. So, basically, Cantha, Imperial Dragon Empire, Kurzix, Luxons. Mm -hmm. Basically open shut and they're, they're traitors as well. Ilona, Primeval Kings, mm -hmm. the fall of the Primeval Kings from the Scarab Plague, then the rise of the Elonian Dynasties, and of course, finishing off with Tariasa kicking in Palawajoko's ass. Oh, yes. Beating the Lich. So, let's get back to the humans of Central Tyria. This is where Guild Wars 1 starts, Guild Wars 2 starts... But there's so much that happens before that, and happens even during those games off-camera that is explained so poorly. <laughs> when I was writing this show, I learned so many good things that I wish I had known in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only. So, here we are. Humans of Central Tyria arrived on the continent in 205 BE. BE stands for? Before Exodus. That's right, my man. You're learning. <laughs> We're getting there. And I hope that by now, everyone at home knows this as well. <laughs> Fingers crossed. If you don't, it's fine. If you never learn it, that's fine too. Who cares as long as we're having fun. <laughs> so, the 205. Five years that the humans spent before the exodus, they constructed a lengthy list of accomplishments. They settled two kingdoms in this time, Or and Ascalon. 
Or seemed a logical first place for them to call home. Do you remember who lives in Orr? The gods, those sassy gods. So, naturally, they would want to live there. So, they constructed the city of Ara, and it became the Orian capital. While the Orians were constructing their city with humans and gods alike, the humans of the High Plains settlement far to the east struggled to carve out their existence against the fearsome race known as the Char. Big kitties. Did you know that Ascalon had a name before Ascalon? No. No, me either. They just snuck that in on me. <laughs> I don't As even usual. know if they know. It just, it just, they just had a different name. Yeah, the High Plains Settlements. The High Plains Settlements. Who knew? Okay. Nobody knew because <laughs> they're not doing so good at communicating what's actually happening in these games. Fair enough. So they were fighting the Char, and then the God of War, Balthazar, showed up. Oh, shit. And he told them the humans were running out of steam. You know what he told them? He told them, get your asses back in there. No (laughs) humans of mine are going to be little bitches. Get in there and kick some ass. And then he shot some fire, and the humans indeed kicked some ass. Balthazar. Balthazar with the support. Badass fireboy. So, they settled Ascalon in 100 BE. As at this time, the two kingdoms were ruled under one king. He was crowned a devout follower of the human goddess of life and air, Duena. Hmm. His name was Doric. Mm, you may okay. know, know him from Living World Season 3. Um, there's a zone introduced called Lake Doric. Mm-hmm. That's the only... Th- thing i ever knew him from yeah i didn't even know he was a person yeah me either i mean i knew he was a person have the lake named after him but didn't know how didn't know he was a king he was he was the king of or and ascalon simultaneously no shit sounds like a lot of work it (laughs) it was a lot of work (laughs) so doric i don't know if this is just a plot hole in the lore but he or or if time works funny on tyria could be both. He ruled over the kingdoms, and he also began settling humans in the area that would be Krita. He ruled for 101 years in total. Damn. That's after he was crowned. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, he was like, uh, at least 120. Yeah. We gotta say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, was he just really old? Or do humans have a different lifespan in Tyria? Maybe with, like, magic, it affects their life? Maybe. Who knows? That could that could be... That's a good idea. I didn't even consider that. That, that would make the most sense to me. Or... Well, maybe we're going to have to find us some magic, Tony. <laughs> Dude, the next 200 years, we will do this podcast. Oh, man. Guild Wars 40. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and... 2,220. Guild Wars 2, the 40th year. On the 7th expansion. It's going to be taking a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 
Well, it's been 150 years, and we're on the, uh, well, End of Dragons was good, but <laughs> you can just wait until you catch Guild Wars 2 expansion number four. Oh, yeah. 2,221. Coming soon. Coming, coming soon-ish. Coming soon-ish. So he ruled for what feels like forever. <laughs> he was a good leader. He was a good leader. They liked him. Uh... 55 years into his rule, Canthan ships made their way to central Tyria, and he sort of established trade between the two entities. They had driven back the Char and settled Ascalon, with the help of Balthazar. They have good leadership and trade, alliances with their fellow humans across the unending sea. And in the hundredth year of Doric's rule, magic was given to the humans at the behest of Abaddon. Oh, okay. And okay. things get really, really shitty really fast for the humans. <laughs> yeah. I think we said last in the last episode, you teach a man to fish, he eats for a day. <laughs> you teach a man to shoot fireballs, and the world goes to shit. And the world goes to shit. So in record time, they fucked their world up. And in the year 0 AE, at the very brink of the mayhem regarding this whole magic ordeal, he goes to Duena and prostrates himself. He is grieving for the state of the world and worried for the, the future of humanity. He throws himself to the ground and begs for the gods to do something about all this goddamn magic. What are we going to do about this magic? We're just going to have to close this thing <laughs> Close the magic. Hashtag canceled magic. Cancel the magic. Can cancel. To in fact do something about all this magic, the gods create the bloodstones, which, like a brawny paper towel attempting to tackle <laughs> a nasty, nasty cataclysm of goopiness. Oof. They get most of it. <laughs> most of it. They didn't have enough towels for all of it. They got most of it. Well, do they ever really do the job fully? No, they do it quick. Even if you get it all, you drip some on the way back to bloodstone, I mean the garbage can. Yep, yep. So he he does die this year, but it's unknown if he dies from this. Some sources say that his blood seals the bloodstone. Oh, like he sacrifices himself or something. Yeah, so for a hundred and fucking forty some odd dude, he's still a badass. Damn. Okay. Maybe he was just on his way out. I don't know. Wanted to go out with a bang. Certainly did. He is trying to be the, a real Tariasa. <laughs> but what are you going to do, man? Tariasa's just down there in the desert, desert pilgrimaging and kicking lich ass. So, good luck, Doric. But unfortunately, no. I don't know. He's still pretty cool. So, yeah, my alternative theory that he didn't seal the bloodstones. He just died because he was old as fuck. That would make sense because that is old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's at this time in 0 AE, which is a weird name for a year. 0 AE? Okay. Yeah, it's the year 0 of After Exodus. <laughs> it's just a trial year. It's like session 0 of a guilt, uh, of a uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I was about to say they weren't too sure. They're were just taking the year to feel it out. <laughs> it was a gap year. It was the gap year. There you go. Taking a year off of being gods in the physical realm, but they're not really committing to the exodus. But they know they're going to have to change, so zero. Dipping their toe in it. 
yeah, this year the gods do their little little bitty war about this whole magic thing. And they beat Abaddon's booty and create the toxic desolation in Alona that we talked about. Then they do that really charming thing that they do once they've fucked up the world for eternity and leave. <laughs> Not cute, but they do it. In the following years, Or declares itself independent from Ascalon, and this is the first degree of separation that sets the field for the Guild Wars. Mm. Not the games, the Guild Wars. The Guild Wars. It's a historical period in time. There are three of them. We'll get into that a little bit later on down the line here. But this is the very start of humans infighting. In the year 300 AE, Krita, the third human nation, is established as a colony of Alona. Did you know that? A colony of Alona. Right. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? Huh. But it kind of makes sense because it is sort of where Lion's Arch is, and if there was trade happening up the coast, maybe some Alonians hopped on a boat and went up there and settled settled Krita. I guess. I guess so. Still, that's... Huh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. But that only lasts a very brief period, and then 60 years later, they establish themselves as an independent nation. Over the next 400-ish years, things go pretty well for the Central Tyrians. While the Canthans deal with imperial politics and Elonians deal with scarab plagues and the extinction of the primeval kings, Ascalons are in constant war with the Char, but or expands slightly to the west into the tarnished coast. That would sort of explain why Shards of Ore is a thing. It's over more by Radasum. They were expanding. Just slightly. Then, in the year 825 AE, the ruler of Krita, Mad King Thorn, <laughs> and his lunatic court are killed in a rebellion. Oh. Did you know that Mad King Thorn, the king of Halloween, was actually a king of Krita? Actually, no. No, I didn't. I always thought it was just like some supernatural King Halloween type That's of what I'm saying. Who fucking knew? Yeah. He has a son. He has a son? Yeah. The Bloody Prince. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Who knew? So, King of Krita. Yep. Okay. Neat. Who knew? Not I. Killed in rebellion. That's right. Damn. And Thorn was succeeded eventually by King Jaden. Shortly after Jaden filmed the Karate Kid movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, everyone. Jaden Smith. Interior. Interior. <laughs> A descendant of Doric himself. You heard it right. He prostrated their, their great 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 grandfather prostrated himself uh, to Duena. All his acting skills came with. And then, you know. Some 500 years later, I guess 800 years later, um, Will Smith makes Wild Wild West. (laughs) (laughs) Thorn was succeeded eventually by King Jaden, who is a descendant of Doric, but was definitely not made of the same piss and vinegar that his heroic ancestor was. Because when the Char invade Krita... He flees the country. He's like, well, the gods did it. (laughs) He's like, nope. I'm out. I am a devout follower of of Duena, and I 
hereby declared this year zero after Exodus two. <laughs> two. We start anew. But let's feel this out first. <laughs> so he flees and leaves a power power vacuum in which Saul D'Alessio, leader oh, of the White Mantle, my. comes out of nowhere, basically, and bla- uh, he blasts the kitties all the way back to Ascalon. And he securely takes control of Krita for the despotic White Mantle. The White Mantle are a religious cult that follow the Unseen Ones, or, as they're better known, the Mursat. <laughs> the first mention of the White Mantle is in the year... 1067 A.E. Okay. They rule with an iron fist, and life is hard for all who refuse to convert and follow their god. It's kind of a flame legion situation if you really think about it. I, uh, I was just thinking about that. There, the char, the flame legion goes out and finds the titans and comes back and says, fuck the rest to you. You all belong to us now. Follow us or die. Whereas out in Krita, some... Some kind of a scumbag, actually. D'Alessio was like a sort of a thief and a tramp. He mm. wanders out into the woods. He was a drunk. Yeah, he <laughs> wanders out into the into the woods, exiled, and comes back with powers and says, "Hey, same script. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you all belong to us now." But as Ascalon fights on against the Char and the White Mantle are positioning themselves to take over Krita, or is just chilling. They're the place of highest magic concentration in the world. Would it make sense? Mm-hmm. Where the gods lived. Yeah. They're just hanging out doing ridiculous magics. <laughs> but like humans do, they prove to be a bigger threat to themselves than the Char or any external forces. <laughs> Naturally. And very similar to what we see in the real world today is that the most treacherous enemies are ourselves. <laughs> you are your own worst enemy. Don't you just hate to see that? <sighs> Brother killing brother, infighting that leads us nowhere. <laughs> no, I hate to see it too. Oh, yes. It's a shame. It's a good thing we live in a perfect world. Where <laughs> none of that exists. Thing. There's no parallels. But this begins the guild wars. I guess we'll start by talking about guilds. Guilds were a system in which specialized groups of people focused their efforts to assist in their niche area of society. Okay. This is just an example, but like, say a commercial guild would focus on trading, but it gets rough out there in transit, so they'd hire a militant guild to help them get to where they're going, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And so on and so forth. The Zunlai are a guild who work in banking. Yeah. The Zunlai. Over the years, guilds begin to disagree with each other, and the guild wars begin. Again. Not the game, the Guild Wars. The Guild Wars, the Guild Wars, Guild Wars. The Guild Wars within the Guild Wars within the Guild Wars. Got it? <laughs> Duh. It's not confusing. Yeah, straightforward. And even less confusing than that, there are no documented dates of the first two Guild Wars. Oh. Which lets us know exactly what's happening. <laughs> so precise. So precise. They start at any time between... Um, Say zero AE. Then and now. <laughs> then and now. Someone be- somewhere between there. But there are three of them. The only one that has a clearly documented beginning is the third one, which starts at 1013 AE. The third is 
more marked throughout history, more depicted. Perhaps it's newer. Maybe a lot of the things got lost that depicted the first two. Okay. But it was also the most violent and bloody of them all. Maybe that's why. Yeah, 1013 AE. Humanity was on the brink of destroying itself in a little over 50 years from the start of this. And that's only a century after the Ascalonians build the Great Northern Wall between themselves and the Char, so they get one brief moment of, of rest. <laughs> a small moment. A power nap, if you will. But then their, their own kindred of ore and Krita begin to fight with them, so... But as fate would have it, the humans spreading themselves thin in a brutal war against themselves coincide perfectly with the Flame Legion meeting the Titans in Rangmar and getting the Cauldron of Cataclysm, the spicy bowl of death that they then bring to lay waste to Ascalon, who is already hurting from the rampant infighting, killing humanity. Oh, spicy bowl of soup. The humans of Ascalon are basically ripe for the picking, dumbasses. Yeah. To yeah. put your differences aside, the char's still out there. What are you doing? What are you doing? Pride, maybe. Doric, we need you now. Tur- <laughs> Doric, Tariasa, and Pyre Shot's granddaughter. Join forces. Slap these guys into sense. <laughs> None of them are actually alive right now, and that's why all this bullshit is going on. That's true. Yeah. If only. They bring the flames down, as we talked about in episode one. The Char bring the flames down, destroy the Great Northern Wall. It was a good wall, but walls <laughs> don't work. <clears throat> Not against the spicy bowl. Nope. They raise Ascalon, and the humans are put in a pickle. But this event, known as the Searing, abruptly ends the Guild Wars. People kind of wake up from their haze and go, oh, fuck. We're all going to die. <laughs> oh, maybe we should pay attention to this instead. <laughs> Tony, what brings people together more than imminent doom? Oh, man. Uh, a feast? That's good. That's good. I like that. A feast? A good feast. A good feast. good feast. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> all their crops were burned in the searing, so... <laughs> the feast is going to have to happen in Krida. Or, or... No, not Or, because <laughs> in Or, the Char are starting to march after their crushing victories in Ascalon. They begin to march on Or, where some upstanding gentleman, Vizier Kilbaran, who is a figure in Guild Wars prophecies, scoured an archive of forbidden texts left by the gods, and there he found a scroll. Basically, this dude is a teenager going through his parents' liquor cabinet while they're on vacation. <laughs> and he finds, like, some 151 oh, no. or something and just fucks himself up. Oh, no. Because he reads from this scroll. And humans, being their own worst enemy, of course, see what the searing can do. They're like, ah, the char can do that, but we can do that better. He reads from the fucking scroll. Oh, boy. Fire and arcane explosions blast ore into the ocean. Oh my. The entire peninsula of ore. He done fucked up. Blows it to the bottom of the sea. Damn. Wow. Also, gods, what the fuck? 
Store your shit better. If you're leaving, just take the shit with you. Or lock the cabinet. You're like, we've done no good for the world. We better leave this atomic bomb scroll here <laughs> and let the humans read it. I just read, Dueno was here. So this is where I had my mind blown. Just absolute madness. Here we go. The Char, who worship the Titans, who are minions of Abaddon, created in the forge of terrible whatever. It's just one big scheme, Tony. The gods cast Abaddon down, and he gave the Char, the Titans, to give them the cauldron of cataclysm to drive humanity to the point of desperation where where they would find that scroll. He had some assailant there leading Vizier Kilbron to this scroll as well. Sure, sure. Sounds like careful planning. So the entirety of the searing and the war with the humans in Char are just Abaddon trying to get this guy to read this scroll and blow up Orr. Holy As a shit. huge fuck you to Duena. Oh, wow. Damn, and he got it. Holy shit. Face palm. <laughs> That's pretty gnarly. Holy shit. Blew my goddamn mind. The world's biggest troll. <laughs> he got his, though. He destroyed Northern Elona and destroyed Orr. His one's home. In the wake of war being blown up and sent to its watery grave and the Ascalonians losing to the Char, the royal Prince Rurik of Ascalon <laughs> decides to lead refugees to Krita. Oh, Rurik. Rurik is a special boy. He has a good heart. <sighs> yes, he does. He's just a dumb, pretty boy, though. <laughs> He's not even pretty, though. He's just a dumb boy. He's just, a, he's dumb and heroic. He's too young for this job. <laughs> Come on, Rurik. His father, Adelburn, stays behind to die and unleash the magic of the faux fire, calling the ghosts of Ascalonians to fight off any invaders to this very day. In the journey across the Shiver Peaks, however, the crown prince, Rurik, spoilers for Guild Wars prophecies if you haven't played it, do so or don't, but here this is. Well, Rurik gets his face smashed in by some rather unimpressive dwarves. But luckily for those refugees, the player character of Guild Wars 1 is there to guide them the rest of the way. <laughs> you guide them to Krita, where the White Mantle still remain in power. But by this time, in 1072 AE... Their shitty iron rule has led to yet another rebel faction, the Shining Blade. And you, you know who leads the Shining Blade, Tony? Hmm. I don't remember. A badass. Here we go. We've got another hero in the world of Gilbors. <laughs> Here we go. Her name is Salma. Salma. And she is the descendant of that wishy-washy, flaky Jaden. 
King Jaden, who laughed while his daughter stayed behind and said, nope, I'm not going to deal with this bullshit. Oh, shit. She got Doric's genes. The, the blood of Doric flows in my veins. And <laughs> Dope. Duena for life. Duena for life? Yeah. Well, and Grenth for death. <laughs> Duena for life, Grenth for death. Melandru, if you're a dirty boy. If you're a dirty boy. Like me. On a scale of 1 to 10, how dirty are you feeling today? Did you get down and pray, pray, Tony? Uh, to Melandru, of course, every day. When I wake up, I say, Dear Melandru, thank you for Guild Wars. Dear Melandru, bless my bowl. <laughs> bless my non-spicy bowl. Balthazar, give me the flames to light it. <laughs> So, in Guild Wars Prophecies, the player character kind of plays both sides of the field on this white mantle, shining blade conflict. And they kind of spark the match that lights the tinder that ignites the Crichton Civil War. The shining blades end up finishing the war in 1076 with the Battle of Lion's Arch. We're going to have to do a whole show on the Crichton Civil War because it's very good. But united behind Salma, 1076 AE, they raise her to the rule of queen. Oh. She is the one who forms the Seraph, which is the modern human military. Logan Thackeray is the captain of the Seraph in Guild Wars 2 currently. She's the one that spurs the move of humans to Divinity's Reach. And that's where they settle their capital. And Central Tyria, the humans of Central Tyria, finally have a little bit of stability for the first time pretty much ever. Armistice with the Char coming up after the events of Eye of the North. Um... And they finally have sort of condensed their lands to Crida and Settled. began to thrive a little yeah. bit. Maybe not thrive, because the events of Guild Wars 2 sort of suck for them. But <laughs> for a brief moment, they get to build their society finally. Okay. 200 years later, Salma's descendant, Queen Jenna, sits the throne of Divinity's Reach. And you can explore all of that by creating a human character in Guild Wars 2. Divinity's Reach is huge. So that's that brings us up to current, the history of the humans. There was a lot. And it feels like so little now, looking back. But we had the Luxons, Kurzix, Imperial Dragons, Dynasties, Primeval Kings. We had... Dorics and Asas and all sorts of juicy things in between. Oh, so many. And s that is just a really broad stroke, and there's so many more fun things to talk about as we sort of zoom in on each little part there. You're very specific. We'll do that um, sometime down the road when we get a little bored. <laughs> but I think our next episode coming up will be the history of the Norn or Silvari. Tony, what do you want to do? I'll let you call it. Oof. I really want to do the Silvari, but I also really want to do the Norn. Oh, that one's. I might toss a coin for that one, honestly. The Silvari are the youngest, so we could do them last chronologically. 
You know what? That would make... Yeah, sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Next episode... The Norn. The History of the Norn. So, I don't think it made it into the final edit of the first episode. Tony, let's hear your best char voice. Um, alright. I'll try to channel my inner fearless kitty cat, my char. Um, hmm. You maggot. I will kill you. That's, a, that's all I got. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was better than the one we did in episode one. Oh, man. I'm going to give it a shot here. <clears throat> what would a char say? Meow? Meow. Meow. Just a big old... Meow. Fade me. <clears throat> Commander. Reinforcements are forming up on the south side of the battlefield. <laughs> For the Titans. For the Titans. Remember the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this dank bowl. Remember the darkness. <laughs> All right, now we have to do our best human voice. Let's hear it, Tony. Best human voice. What do you got? Um, the char invading. Get to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Trebuchet. Trebuchet. <laughs> 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 I'll try my best human voice. <laughs> Welcome to Guild Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey guys, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> human here. Nice to meet you. Day 28, they don't know I'm not a human. <laughs> he doesn't know it's 29 for me. I'm actually... Shit, I don't know. Fuck off, Commander. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have another little treat at the end of each episode for you now. I think we're going to start doing Tony's new player advice corner. Tony, what have you for us this evening? If you're looking uh, for a way to, get m to build money uh, in Guild Wars... You could uh, do the meta trains, keep an eye on the wiki for the timings of them when they start. Um, that's that's my key advice. Use the wiki for the meta trains to make yourself some money and potentially good loot. Build your character up with some nice armor. Yeah, there are some good metas. They're great fun. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. The first time you do all of them, I think they're pretty good. They get it. Tiny bit stale, but with the right people, they become fun again. That's true. Or if you haven't done it in a while, dip back in. Check it out for all of you veteran players out there. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to bug us and tell us that we were wrong about the lore, which we, I'm not going to say anything one way or the other. <laughs> um, Don't you add can, us, ain't it? You can tweet at us at Lores Guild. You can find us on Instagram at Guild Lords Podcast, or you can email us at guildlordspodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us in game. Tony can be reached at cartoonlink.6180, and I 
can be reached at trogdormama.4903. We also have a guild in-game. We're a growing community geared toward teaching new players and getting them ready for End of Dragons. Mm-hmm. So if you are a new player and are looking for a place to be, you can get in with us. We're happy to have you. And if you're a veteran player who has the spirit of a teacher, join up. We'd be happy to have you. Come help. Our guild name is We Don't Know Our Lore. And as we've seen today, <laughs> with so many revelations, it could not be more true. <sighs> right on the money. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. We will see you in Tyria. Mm-hmm.